Well, National Back to Church Sunday is uh, next Sunday, just a week out, and it's also our high attendance Sunday school day. And I just want to encourage you to uh, invite somebody to be with you on uh, National Back to Church Sunday. We are going to be a part of uh, more than 30,000 churches that have participated in this uh, at some point in time, and I believe there's ten to 12,000 churches every year that participate in this day, just a special emphasis on inviting somebody to be with you in church next Sunday. And uh, you might say, well, we, we ought to be doing that all the time. Why do we need a special day set aside for that? Well, it's because we're not doing it all the time. Studies show that uh, while 80%, listen to this, while 80% of unchurched people are open and they're welcome to an invitation to church or a spiritual conversation. 80% unchurched are are open to that. They're welcome to that. Uh, About 2% of believers actively invite someone else to be in church with them or engage others in spiritual conversation. And so the reality is we're not doing it. And so it might be that if we have a special day set aside, it might kind of jog our memory a little bit, our mind and our heart uh, to invite someone to be at church. And then if we do that and we realize it's not so bad that God shows up with us when we're obedient and invite people to Jesus. Amen, somebody? Uh, God shows up and God moves and God gives us the words that he wants us to say and he's with us, then it might become a habit. It might become part of who we are. And so uh, I hope you're out inviting folks to be with us in worship Uh, next Sunday for High Attendance Sunday School Day and National Back to Church Sunday. Well, it is great to see you as we are in our second uh, Sunday of our new series entitled Today is the Day. That phrase, today is the day, is a phrase that's captured in Scripture to refer to the fact that we ought to be people who are living with urgency. We ought to be people that are making the most of each and every day of life because tomorrow's not promised. We don't have the promise of tomorrow. Um, I'll go a step further. I don't have the promise of this afternoon. You don't have the promise of this afternoon. All we have is right now. All we have is this moment. All we have is this breath of life. All we have is the beating of my heart right now. That's all that we have. Uh, And so we want to make the most of every moment that we have. Today is the day of salvation if you're not saved. Today is the day of recommitment if you're not where you need to be with the Lord. Today is the day to have that conversation. Today is the day to tell someone, I love you. You mean so much to me. Today is the day to write that card, to make that phone call, to make that visit. Let's not put off till tomorrow those things that must be done today. This is a series on urgency and and living with passion for the glory of God and for the kingdom of God. And I pray this morning uh, that God would just speak through our hearts and in a mighty, mighty way speak to you about Whatever it, is that he's call, whatever it is that he's calling you to do. Now, this morning, we're going to be looking at a passage in the book of Psalms. So if you have a Bible with you or your Bible app, go ahead and take those out. 
and turn with me to Psalms chapter 90 this morning. Psalms chapter 90. We're going to read verses 1 through 12, but we're going to spend all of our time on on verse 12. We're just going to break down verse 12, Psalms 90 and 12. So Psalms 90 and 12, uh, 90 verse 1 through 12. And, And while you make your way there... I want to give you some background. Background's important to understanding God's Word. Um, you need to understand what kind of a setting was this Psalms written in so that as I read it, you know, we can kind of understand it a little bit better. Now, Psalms 90, we believe, is the oldest psalm in the Bible. It is signed by Moses. We believe that it was written by Moses uh, as the children of Israel were wandering in the wilderness on their way to the promised land. And so, understand that this is the oldest of all the 150 Psalms, and it was written during the wilderness period. And as many of you know, the wilderness period in the Bible was marked by stubbornness and unbelief of the people of God. And in Psalms 90, Moses reflects upon the brevity of life, and he contrasts that with the eternal nature of God. Moses writes from a place of pain, a place from the somber experience of witnessing thousands of his people die in the wilderness, die without ever seeing the promised land, die without ever fully embracing God's plan and purpose for their life when they were freed from Egypt. And so, you, you hear some brokenness in Moses as he writes this. Brokenness of the, exp- of the experience of leading a wandering people for 40 years who never, never really pulled it together in their belief in God so that God could lead them to see the promised land for themselves. And you're just going to hear some of that, that brokenness here and a real somber spirit in this psalm. Psalms chapter 90. And verses 1 through 12. Moses says, Lord, you have been our dwelling place throughout all generations. Before the mountains were born, or you brought forth the whole world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You turn people back to dust, saying, return to dust, you mortals. A thousand years in your sight, or like a day that has just gone by, or like a watch in the night. Yet you sweep people away in the sleep of death. They are like the new grass of the morning. In the morning it springs up new, but by evening it is dry and withered. We are consumed by your anger and terrified by your indignation. You have set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. All our days pass away under your wrath. We finish our years with a moan. Our days may come to 70 years or 80 if our strength endures. Yet the best of them are but trouble and sorrow. For they quickly pass and we fly away. If only we knew the power of your anger. Your wrath is as great as the fear that is your due. Teach us. Teach us. To number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Teach us, O Lord, 
to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. First thing that I want you to notice again as we focus on verse 12 of this passage. I want you to notice this morning that our days on earth are limited. I want you to notice that our days on earth are limited or they're numbered. Verse 12, uh, we see Moses here in a prayer asking God to, to help us understand that. God, help us to understand that our days are numbered. Years ago, when our nation was on the hunt for Osama bin Laden, Secretary of Defense Donald Rumsfeld was answering questions about the war. And a reporter asked him if, in his opinion, did he believe that bin Laden's days were numbered. Mr. Rumsfeld gave an answer that revealed deep wisdom on his part. He said, well, well, yes, I, I do believe that Bin Laden's days are numbered, and yet that could be said for every single one of us. All of our days are numbered. Moses here, as he prays to the Lord in this wilderness experience of seeing a stubborn and a rebellious people, many who lost their lives because of their rebellion against God, because of God's judgment and discipline upon them. And Moses saw that, right? Moses witnessed that. Moses himself wasn't able to go and to be able to step foot into the promised land and enjoy the blessings of that. And from that experience, Moses says, Lord, teach us that our days are numbered, that there's a limit to the days that we're going to live here on earth. Lord, would you help us to see that our days are not innumerable? Would you help us to recognize that our life someday will end here on earth. And this is a prayer that in that, that that as God teaches us to number our days, as we learn that our days are numbered, that that it would bless us by giving us a heart of wisdom. Now we're going to talk a little bit more about that in a bit. What is a heart of wisdom? But but I, I really believe that part of this teach us, Lord, has to do with the fact that many of us spend all of our waking hours not thinking about how limited our life is. We spend all of our waking hours blocking out the fact that someday our life will end. Frankly, it's not the most pleasant subject in the world. In fact, I don't think it's the most pleasant subject in the world. Would you raise your hand if you agree with me that our own death is not the most pleasant subject in the world? Can I see your hand? Yeah, it's not the most pleasant subject in the world. And so Moses recognizes that, hey, God, we've got to have you to teach us this. We've got to have you impress this upon us because we tend to kind of live as if we're going to be here forever on earth. We put stuff off, important stuff, till tomorrow or next week or next month or next year like we're going to be here forever. And so Moses is saying, Lord, would you help us? Would you help us recognize that life is short, that our days are numbered so we wouldn't spend all of our time blocking that out and then not doing the things that we ought to do, the things that are most important. Uh, Even though we believe in heaven, right, we tend to just hold on to life here on earth 
with all that we've got. I heard about a Sunday school teacher that came into her first grade class. And she came in and uh, the subject that Sunday was on heaven. And so she came in and the very first thing that she did was she asked the children as she walked in. She said, how many of you want to go to heaven? And all the kids, yeah, yeah, raising their hands, you know. And there was one little boy who had just started coming to church. He was new to church. And uh, as all the kids were, yeah, yeah, I do, I do. Uh, little Johnny was, was, was doing this. He, he was like, no, 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 no. And the teacher was concerned about this. And she wanted to encourage him. You know, we, we, we all want to go to heaven, little Johnny. What's, what's wrong? And so she said, little Johnny, what's wrong? Don't you want to go to heaven when your life is over? And little Johnny said, oh, yeah. I want to go to heaven when my life is over, but I thought you were loading up a bus to go today. There's a little bit of Johnny in every single one of us, if we're honest. We want to go to heaven, but just not today. Lord, give me more time here on earth. I don't think that's always a bad thing. I believe people who, who, who know, know there's a heaven and believe in heaven still cling to life with all they've got because of the blessings of earth and, 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 and going somewhere we've never been, we've never seen. I, I think it's an okay thing to cling to life in so many ways, but not if it keeps us from doing what's most important in life. Not, not if it keeps us from from having the priorities that are God's priorities for our life. And so many times when we block out the fact that our life is someday going to come to an end, we don't maximize each day of our life. And my conviction in this Today is the Day series is that we're, we're going to reflect a whole lot about, uh, about the day of our own passing, when our life is over. But this series is not fixated on death My friends, this series is fixated on life. And until you recognize that someday you will die, you're not ready to live yet. Can I hear an amen? Until you recognize that you won't be here forever, then you're not going to be living each day in in the way that God's called you to. And Moses here says, Lord, teach us. Lord, impress upon this. This is something we've got to learn That our days are numbered. There's a limit to our days. And Moses' prayer has to do with the fact that if I can get that, if I can get that my days are numbered, that tomorrow's not promised, there's gain in that. There's a blessing in that. There's something I can acquire in recognizing that my days are numbered. What is it? Well, look with me in your copy of God's Word, verse 12. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Now, when we look in the Bible at what the Bible teaches about heart, I want you to recognize that the Bible references the heart more than a thousand times. When the Bible speaks of our heart, its reference is not to the physical organ, but rather it speaks figuratively of that spiritual part of us where our emotions and our desires dwell. We could say that the heart is the core of our being. And as the spiritual heart, or as the physical heart, pumps blood or pumps life through our body, the spiritual heart is what pumps spiritual life throughout our soul. Our spiritual heart's the seat of decisions, the choices we make, the life that we choose to live. And here Moses is saying, hey, 
if, if we can realize that our days are numbered, we can gain a heart, we can gain a spiritual life of wisdom. Now, now wisdom is the life that God intends for us. What is wisdom? Well, it's seeing life like God sees life. And then living life like God wants us to live life. I love a quote that I heard many years ago, and it's this. It says, someone has said, don't be afraid that your life will end. Be afraid that it will never really begin. I'll say that again. Don't be afraid that your life will end. Instead, be afraid that it will never really begin. And, and I think that's what Moses is getting at. God, I want to live a life that's pleasing to you. I want my life to be a life that honors you. That's, that's what wisdom is, church. At the end of the day, wisdom is according to God's word, according to God's plan, I see how God wants me to live. I see life from his perspective. My, my heart is growing in the word of God, and I know what's most important. And so I'm not going to gamble away my time on trivial pursuits here on earth. I'm going to spend my time loving God, and I'm going to spend my time loving people. My friends, that is wisdom. Wisdom is making sure that you know where you're going to spend eternity. Can I hear an amen from the people of God this morning? Wisdom is knowing where you're going to spend eternity. Knowing that Jesus is your Lord and Savior, that heaven is your home, and not gambling on that. Not, not saying, well, I, I hope I make it to heaven. My friends, because of the old rugged cross and the power of the resurrection, I'll say it again this morning, we don't have a hope-so salvation. We have a no-so salvation through Jesus Christ. And, and if you didn't come with that this morning, you can go home with it. Amen? Jesus will send you home with it through faith in Christ if you didn't come knowing that heaven is your home. I love how Moses in this prayer is saying, God, I, I want to gain, through understanding my days are numbered, I want to gain a heart of wisdom. I want to see life. I want to see life like God sees life. And then God help me to live life according to seeing it from your perspective. Jesus uh, really just brilliantly summed up what, what life is supposed to be all about in the Gospels. On one occasion, a teacher came to Jesus. And the teacher thought he could really get Jesus in a corner. And he asked Jesus to basically take the Old Testament scriptures and sum up the entire teaching of the Old, Old Testament. And he said, what's the greatest command in the Old Testament? In other words, Jesus... If you could offer an ultra-condensed version, a Cliff's Notes version, down to like one word or one sentence of the Old Testament, Jesus, how do you sum up all of the Old Testament Scripture? You know what Jesus said, don't you? Matthew 22, 37 through 40. Jesus said, Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. That, was brought, that brought about a question. Well, who, who's my neighbor? If I can limit the scope of this, maybe I can practice this. And then Jesus tells the story of the good Samaritan. A, a Samaritan who helped out a Jewish man in need. And the point was this. As this Samaritan crossed racial boundaries that kept them apart... 
the point was this. Your neighbor is everybody. We're to love everybody. The people of God are to love everyone around us. And Jesus summed up the kind of life he wants me to live, the kind of life you want to live. I mean, if you're here and you say, Brother Kevin, I, I, I want to live with wisdom. I want to live how God wants me to live. How can I do that? My friends, you would do that by loving God and loving people. You think about the difference that would be made in our community, in our families, in, in our businesses, right, in our neighborhoods. If, if we just loved God, if every decision we made if every word we spoke went through this filter, is this loving God and is this loving people? Is this loving God and is this loving people? We make, we make life tough, tougher on each other when we don't love God and when we don't love each other. I heard about a, a couple, a married couple, a married couple that was always, I tell you, they were always at each other. They, they gave each other a hard time. They sure didn't make life easier for one another or those around them. They, they were just always at each other, giving each other a hard time. Well, the woman got arrested for shoplifting, and she went in to appear before the judge. And when it came time for her sentencing, the judge asked this one simple question. He said, what did you steal? And she said, I stole a can of peaches. And he said, well, how, how many peaches were in that can? And she said, there were five peaches in that can. And he said, well, simple math. I'm going to give you five days of jail for every peach in that can. He got ready to slam the gavel and dismiss the case. And her husband spoke up and said, your honor? The judge said, yes, sir. And he said, she also stole a can of peas. Sometimes we, we make it harder on each other, right, by not loving one another. Whether it be in that marriage, whether it be in our family, our relationship with our children, right? Uh, whether it be our co-workers, whether it be our neighbors. Uh, God's called us to love everybody. Can you say amen? God's called us to love everybody. God's called us to love those that look like us and those that don't look like us, those that act like us and those that don't act like us, our, our family, our friends, our neighbors, our co-workers. Hey, our co-workers that we really connect with and our co-workers that get on our nerves. We're to love everybody. Can I get an amen this morning, right? Jesus says, here's life. Here's wisdom. Loving God and loving people. And so Moses says, Lord... Teach us to number our days. And then, Lord, as we number our days, what we're praying is that we'll gain a heart of wisdom. We'll gain an understanding of how to make the most of those days. Because, folks, time is traveling fast. It's unbelievable how fast time is traveling. So lo love the people in your life while they're there. They won't be here forever. We won't be here forever. Lo love, love, love those around you. I'm, I'm, a, I'm amazed uh, at, at how, how, how fast time travels. Are any of you like me? You ever, find, you ever find yourself, and maybe this is just me, do you ever find yourself trying to reflect on something, how long something happened ago, and you'll be like, oh, that, that's probably, that's like, I don't know, six months ago, and then you get to talking to somebody who's like, no, it's been like two years ago. Y all, y all, raise your hand if you're 
Usually it's my wife that reminds me of, no, it's been like two years ago, right? Time is just traveling, life is traveling so fast. And life is short. You live a long, robust life and it's still short. And tomorrow is not promised. Savor today. Savor this moment. Savor the presence of God right now. What stage of life are you in? Savor it. Are you married? Love your wife. Love your husband. You have kids? Love your kids with all of your heart. You have nieces, nephews? Love them with all of your heart. Your grandkids? Love them with all of your heart. Are you single? Be God's best at this time in your life, whether you're single. Maybe God has that for you the rest of your life. Maybe not. The Apostle Paul said that singleness can be a calling. The deal is no matter where we're at, Jesus can be there. Amen? So so where are you at this morning? Love love God and love people. This life is traveling so fast. So thankful for reminders that I've had of how quickly uh, time is traveling. And especially... You know, during some of those tough years in our life, you know, when we had uh, more than one preschooler and, and, you know, four kids that needed a lot of care and a lot of attention. And those, those, were, those were tough years. And I know parents, I know that every stage of parenting, like it never gets easy. Can I hear an amen? I, I understand that. I understand that. But, but those preschool years sometimes are the toughest. And some of you maybe are in those years right now. Maybe you got a baby at home that's not sleeping well. And when they're not sleeping well, guess what? You're not sleeping well. And, and maybe you're in those crazy preschool years. Um, enjoy them while they last because they don't last forever. And that's not the good news. They don't last forever. I'm thankful for those that reminded me and encouraged me to, to, to love my kids and savor those difficult moments. We were, as I reflect upon how my own kids are growing up so fast, we were watching fireworks uh, many, many years. Noah was three years old, so this was about three or four years old. This has been eight or nine years ago. We were watching fireworks, and uh, after about five minutes, Noah was bored of fireworks. And so he was just wearing me out. He was all, He was... You know, just what little boys will do. He was running up and jumping on my back and hanging on my neck, you know. And I'm trying to watch the fireworks, you know, because this is a special moment of watching the fireworks, you know. And I'm like, Noah, stop, sit down, watch the fireworks, man. This is brilliant. It's beautiful. Watch this, you know. And it just continues the whole night, you know, him pummeling me from behind and hanging on my neck, you know. And uh, I I got probably maybe a little bit exasperated. I, I, I don't really know. But when the night was over... This stranger, this man behind me, he just, as we were getting up and gathering our blanket, he tapped me on the shoulder and he said, Sir, I couldn't help but just watching you and your son here. And he, he wore you out pretty good, didn't he? I said, Yeah, he, he, he wore me out pretty good. And he said, Well, I, I know that, uh, you know, uh, you might not have been able to enjoy the fireworks as much as you wanted to. But he said, uh, Young man, I just want to encourage you to savor these years. And savor these moments, because I'd give anything if my kids were still small enough to hang around my neck during fireworks. And I said, thank you, sir. Yeah. And God has used people like that to speak into my life over the years. And, and things like that, moments like that, have allowed me to realize that, that fireworks, you know, fire, fire, hey, fireworks will always be here. 
but kids small enough to hang around your neck without breaking it, (laughs) they won't always be here. And and Noah now is catching up with me. Uh, He's catching up with me and he's growing. And if he were to hang on my neck this morning, I'd be seeing a chiropractor at 8 (laughs) a.m. Life travels fast. Life moves fast. We've got today, but we don't know that we have tomorrow. And so church... Brothers and sisters in Christ, sojourner, traveler here on this, in this life, make sure you do today what needs to be done because tomorrow is not promised. Teach us to number our days, God, that we might gain a heart of wisdom. Here it is. If I can embrace if I, if I can understand that life is uncertain and that life is short, that tomorrow's not promised, through the Word of God and through a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, I can gain a heart of wisdom. I can see life from God's perspective and then I can live life according to God's perspective. And I can, have, I can make first things first. His priorities can be my priorities. And church, the most important thing, let me just speak to you. The most important thing, understanding that today's the day, the most important thing you can know is that if 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 you if 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 this were your last day, and if this were your if this moment were your last, where are you gonna spend all of eternity? It's the most important question you'll ever ask. My heart breaks at the deceit that the enemy brings into our hearts. Where I know people that will spend months planning a vacation and haven't thought about eternity. Months and months and months planning vacation and haven't begun to think, where am I going to spend all eternity? My friends, eternity is going to last a lot longer than our vacation. Amen, somebody? And it only makes sense that if you want to be a wise person, that you've made preparations for all eternity. The Bible says there's only two spots. There's heaven and there's hell. And heaven's greater than the greatest place you can imagine here on earth. Infinitely greater than the greatest place you can imagine here on earth. And hell is infinitely worse than the worst place you can imagine here on earth. And Jesus has come that we might have life. And that we might have heaven. And that we might know that eternity, our eternity is in heaven. God so loved the world, you know this, John 3, 16. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten son. That whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. My friend, God loves you so much that he came down from heaven. He was born as a baby, put on a coat of flesh. He lived as the God-man. 100% God, 100% perfect man. and He lived a perfect life that none of us are going to live. So he was, he was our substitute, a righteous substitute on that cross. And on that cross, he suffered and he bled and he died. He was placed in a grave, but my friend, the grave couldn't hold him because he was God. And he rose again on the third day. He is in this place this morning. And he's a prayer away. From you knowing him and having a personal relationship with him. And knowing that heaven is your home.
And there's no important decision, no more important decision that you'll ever make in your life than to know Jesus is Lord and Savior and heaven is your home. And today is the day because tomorrow is not promised. As I close this morning, I want to close with the story that I, I, I really don't, God knows my heart, I don't share it to, to terrify you or scare you. Uh, prayed a lot about whether God would even want me to share it, and I believe He does. But it's just a reality of how quickly our life can end. The very first church that I pastored, we had a family in our church that had joined the church. Uh, husband, wife, two, two young kids. And when they joined and I sat down and counseled them about their spiritual background, um, both mom and dad had, had, had professed faith in Christ, that they had already given their life to Christ and been baptized. And so we received them into the church. But I just really, I remember just wondering about the man, the, the, the father, the husband in the family, Vince. I, I just wasn't sure about Vince. Vince kind of appeared to be like the guy who was drug in to talk to the pastor about membership. And it just his heart didn't really seem to be in it. Uh, his wife and the kids, they, they were in church every time the door was open, and Vince really never came. He'd come about once every four to six weeks, and I had my concerns about Vince. Well, one morning, Vince called me up and asked if I could come over and, and see him, and I said, be glad to. And so I went that morning, it seemed to be urgent, so I went over and I visited with Vince. And I'll never forget, we sat in his living room, and I said, so Vince, what's going on, man? What's on your heart? And Vince said, uh, Brother Kevin, I've never been saved. I'm just going through the motions. I've been a church attender all my life. I've been baptized, but I'm, I'm not saved. I'm not a believer. My heart's just not where it needs to be, and I know it. I'm aware of it, and uh, just, I, I just, I'm not saved. So we had a long conversation, probably up to an hour conversation on salvation and the gospel, and I I had what I thought was an urgent conversation with him that you need, you need to believe. You need to give your life to Christ. And at the end of, of a lengthy time, I said, Vince, I said, how about right now? Are you, are you ready right now to give your life to Jesus? I said, Let, let's just pray right now. I just want you to know. I want you to be sure. Let's pray right now. Thinking for sure he was ready. I'll never forget when Vince looked at me across the living room and said, I'm not ready, preacher. I'm just not ready. I remember urging him another time or two, Vince, why, why don't we just, let, let's nail this down, give your life to Christ. What, what's holding you back? What's keeping you from knowing Jesus? I don't know, preacher, I'm just not ready. I'm not ready to give my life to Jesus. Well, I prayed with him and I left and I said, we'll, we'll talk again, Vince, we'll talk again. I, I want you to know the Lord, you need to know the Lord, we'll talk again. And I left and went about my day. And Vince was on my prayer list. I was going to go see Vince again. We were going to talk some more. I'd pull him aside at church. We were going to talk. But I got a phone call about two weeks after that set down from his best friend, Tony. And Tony, when he called me, couldn't, he couldn't even hardly talk. He couldn't hold the tears back. I said, Tony, man, what's going on? And he said, Vince has been in a car accident. And he, he died upon impact. Well, there's no words to explain what went through my mind, what went through my heart. 
Hindsight's what, church? It's 2020. Should I have gone back the next day? Why would I wait two weeks? You do those things. Today, as I stand before you, what I, what I hope and what I pray is that in the privacy of his own heart, there in the home, going to bed one night, my, my prayer is that Vince got right with Jesus. I hope and I pray that Vince got right with Jesus. But one thing I didn't know, and one thing Vince didn't know, he didn't know he had such a short time to make that decision. We all found out in a strong and mighty way. Life's uncertain. Tomorrow's not promised. Today is the day of salvation. Would you pray with me? Lord God, you know my heart. You know how I've wrestled with my own just brokenness over could I have done more, should I have done more. Lord, you know how deeply I desire that Vince did have that time alone with you and that Vince is in heaven and that, God, you used that gospel conversation to bring him to you. But, uh, Lord, you know that it haunts my heart. Lord, we pray this morning that what needs to be done right now would be done today and be done in this moment and would not, would not be something we put off till next week or two weeks away or a month away, God, because tomorrow's not promised. Lord, speak to souls this morning. Bring people to Jesus. Bring people to salvation. People that aren't sure. I'm not really sure. I was baptized as a kid or whatever. God, I pray that you would move us to a place of no-so salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ. Convict our hearts. God, may we have that conversation. May we tell that person we love them. May we send that card. Make that visit, God. May we give our lives to Jesus. Surrender to you. Lord, I pray folks even now are saying, Lord, save me. Lord, forgive me. Lord, cleanse me. I want to know you. I want to know heaven's my home. Lord, I pray you bless and anoint and move in this time of invitation for your glory. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Our invitation time is a time for you to respond to God's word. And what would be ideal here in this moment would be, if, you don't, if you're not sure that you've been saved, and you've sensed the Holy Spirit speaking to your heart, and you want to be sure, you want to be saved, you want to know that heaven's your home, you want to know you're right with God, you have peace with your maker, what we'd ask you to do is just to come down during this time of, of invitation. I'll be here, Brother Bob will be here. We'd love to grab you by the hand and just pray with you and hear your story and lead you to Jesus. It may be that you need to recommit your life to Christ or join with this church body. Maybe God's been speaking to you, and you know that God's calling you to make Second Baptist your church home. I would, I would just say this. Why, why would you put off till tomorrow or next week or next month what God's calling you to do today? As we stand and as we sing, would you come as we do?